Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Chilling tales for dark nights. Want to make sure you never miss a Chilling Tales for Dark Nights video again? Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to turn on notifications. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's program, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with audio adaptations of two rounds of frightening fiction about volatile voices and relationship regrets. I'm your host, Steve Taylor, and tonight I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of Joseph Buckley and H.G. Gravy are voice talents Eric Peabody, Melissa Exelberth, Jesse Cornett, and Justine Anastasia. Now, get your ticket ready 
take your seat in our theater of the minds and brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale tonight comes to us from author Joseph Buckley and is performed by Chilling Tales for Dark Knight's voice talents, Eric Peabody and Melissa Exelberth. In it, we will be introduced to an 18-year-old man grappling with his mother's death and his father's decline in mental health. A mysterious voice that offers him a seemingly irresistible opportunity. But things aren't always as they appear. Without further ado, I present to you, Take a Chance. Jonas was scrubbing dishes in the stainless steel basins at the back of Cafe Away when he heard what he thought was a whisper coming from the drainpipe. He knelt closer to the drainpipe's metal grate, covered in bits of food and grease, tucking his headphones along with his shaggy brown hair behind his ear. All he could hear were the grumblings of the restaurant's pipes, the workings of the city deeply vibrating the floor, the noise of pans hitting the stovetop, tongs, knives, but not the eerie whisper he had heard a moment before. With the light of his phone, he looked down through the silver grate into the darkness. He thought he saw a pair of yellow eyes, but then they were gone as fast as they had appeared. The miasmic odor of dish scuzz then pushed him away, but when Jonas stood up, the voice sounded again. Jonas. It hissed like a lazy snake. Who's there? Jonas looked back down the grate. I've come to help. The voice had no visible physicality from which it came. Jonas, the hell you doing? The chef, Jonas's father, slammed a hot pan into the dish pit, shattering many of the glasses and plates, steam whistling off the edges of the pan like a crashed spacecraft. The father wore an aged frown, creased, painful, but it seemed like more of a result of some unseen distress than a voluntary expression. Ice blue eyes, thinning fair hair. Sweat spotted his greasy white undershirt, swollen at the belly. His apron was awash in a buffet of food stains. I'm over here drowning at the stove, and here you are playing with dirt on the floor. You're 18. When are you going to start acting like it? He kicked Jonas in the seat of his pants. Jonas stood up in his father's face. Although he'd finished puberty and was now fully in early adulthood, with a scraggly goatee to prove it. He'd also smoked cigarettes, even gotten drunk a few times. However, his father was still taller than him, so he still acted like his father in the truest sense of the word. The father's stubbled chin loomed over the top of Jonas's head like some mountain the young man would someday have to climb. Jonas backed down. He knew that his father was upset. Lately, anything Jonas did, 
whether wandering around town at night or drawing futuristic robots, was met with disdain, a reaction, and violence. Jonas never retaliated since his mother was dying from an unknown sickness. It took everything in the young man's power to try and keep together the budding sense of the world he still had, so he took the verbal and physical abuse, bottled it up, and swallowed it. The father and son had tried every doctor in town. The same response came from each. They couldn't cure what they didn't know. In the meantime, the two men could do nothing but wait in anguish, like life itself had turned sinister for this particular family, as if the hand dealt were all off-color, off-suit, and out of order. Later that evening, the father was drinking in their dimly lit living room, blindly screaming lyrics to Iggy and the Stooges' raw power. Their downtown apartment sat above Cafe Away. Its tall windows overlooked the cobblestone streets below, busy with people of the night, selling fortunes, hot dogs from handcarts, the gawkers, the curious, the paranoid, the hopeful, all shuffling around. They were all searching, as if seeking greater meaning to behold in the secret corners of the night. Their once elegant Victorian sofa now sat swallowed in whiskey-stained bedsheets. The father had taken to sleeping on the couch ever since Marie grew sick, descending wholly into himself. Jonas sat on his windowsill smoking. Drawings of science fiction scenes covered his wall. Big-breasted robots, lasers, futuristic cityscapes. His headphones pulsed techno beats. He contemplated what he could do, not wanting to continue serving his father's dream of the restaurateur's life. The ever-present smell of food exhausted his emotions. Work in the cafe was endless. It felt like they were chained to the faded pink building, cracking rocks every day, but making no progress. There was never any time off, no holidays, no traveling, no college in a different state. Only that night's dinner service and the hope that business lasted to the next day. Every time Jonas sat in contemplation, he arrived at the same conclusion. He needed to stay to see how things played out with his mother, even if it meant helping his father, washing dishes, prepping food, or trapping and killing the rats that held domain over the underworld of the city. Quizzing himself over what to do next, Jonas noticed a flicker of dull light through the web of Spanish moss hanging on the massive oak outside his window. The yellow eyes were there for a brief moment, then disappeared, a spider crawling down the moss as if nothing were there. Jonas stopped his music. Why won't you let me help you? The voice hissed. It sounded strained. I don't even know what you are. Jonas's eyes searched the courtyard. The orange glow of the gas lamp flames gave the heavy, humid air a suggestive feel. 
Tree shadows danced and grew in great lengths along the brick floor of the courtyard, or high along the stuccoed walls of the other buildings that formed the courtyard, painted in bright blues, purples, or reds. Despite the entire carnivalesque appearance of the atmosphere, where it seemed almost anything was possible, Jonas couldn't see the figure. I'm your servant to do as you need. But first, I need you to bring me something. What? A lock of your father's hair. Jonas stared at his hands. At that moment, he couldn't understand why, but he considered contemplating the task the voice asked for. Perhaps the voice was inside his own head, manifested as a trauma response to his mother's declining health, his father's declining grip on sanity. Either way, the favor seemed simple enough to him. Jonas couldn't explain why, but it seemed normal to want to help the unknown being. The living room ruckus of his father echoed off the family pictures in the darkened hallway Jonas walked down. The thick blanket of sticky air was enough to take one's breath away, but when he sat on her bed next to her, Jonas felt cold. Her body looked defeated, as if a strong breeze were to come she may lift off like a leaf from the ground, ready to land where the earth determined. She was no longer the woman who talked about places to visit with Jonas, or the woman who made fun of the father's temper, permanently relieving the tension for the trio. She was now just a vessel for the world's whims, an afterthought. Collateral damage to the machinations the sun set into motion every second of every day. Jonas kissed her forehead a shiver wiggling up his spine despite the dots of sweat lining his skin. In the living room, the father was looking through an album of pictures. The wail of his aggressive rock music combined with candlelight gave off an almost sinister impression. Jonas snuck behind him, opening a pair of scissors, but the father sang so drunkenly his head swayed back violently toward the scissors. Jonas pulled them back a second before they cut into his father's neck. Jonas? What the hell was that? He rubbed the back of his neck, looking back at Jonas with glazed eyes, but Jonas had already clipped the tuft of hair, tucked it into his pocket. The father then lit a cigarette, the sweet, acrid smell of tobacco lifting and stretching slowly in the thick air like a spell. Let's go. I've got a project. The father led him into the kitchen. A scratched and scarred stockpot sat on the stove over low heat, steam puffing out from the sides of the lid. The heat from the stove mixed with the summer air was enough to blur Jonas's vision. The father pulled a turtle the size of a baseball glove from the sink, its legs slowly scrambling through the air searching for ground. All right, we need to clip the head quickly before it gets the chance to slip and hide. Don't you chicken out on me like you did last time. The father handed Jonas the black penknife, 
his initials crudely carved into the maple. The father took the turtle by its hind legs, looked his son in the eye for a long moment, then hung the turtle upside down. For a moment, the turtle's head extended down toward the ground. Jonas froze. He looked into the turtle's black eye. He imagined a small world captured within, one in which there was no killing, one in which Jonas was far away from here, free from these heavy burdens, a world where death played a less prominent role, a world wide open to time with no pressure on him to make decisions. Then he was snatched from the daydream by a hard smack to his jaw. He slid back to the floor, crashing into the cabinets, the father snatching the blade from his hand, slicing the turtle's throat, and hanging it over the sink all in one fluid motion. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I told you to be quick. I'm sorry. His back turned. Puffs of smoke arose around the father like a cartoon bull. He set a hook into the turtle to keep it suspended over the sink while it bled out. The father ladled out a small cup of the broth, handing it to Jonas. They had been serving the mother soup every night since she took sick. It was more a ritual, an offering to give the two men peace of mind. Jonas set the cup of steaming soup down next to his mother on her nightstand. He took small spoonfuls to wet her lips with the broth, but even this tiny amount of liquid slid down her cheek, pooling on the silk pillowcase. He left the meatless broth, then returned to his room, placing the hair on the windowsill where he heard the voice. A slight gust of wind came and whisked the hairs away. The following day, Jonas made it downstairs to the restaurant first. He flicked the fluorescent kitchen lights on, scaring the rats back to their corners. Out in the street, the day had already begun. 
Sunglassed shoppers pecked their way through the cafes and shops like meandering pigeons. Tonight would be busy, Jonas thought, gazing at the throng of people. Maybe the business would be enough to distract the father, Jonas hoped. Jonas looked in the coolers, both below the line and walk-in, to see what he needed for the night. A clipboard hung outside the cooler with a list his father made out. But for once, Jonas ignored this, opting instead to determine what he thought they would need for the night. His father had owned Café Away since before Jonas was born, and his father before that. They even had the faded black and white pictures of the men on the walls of the cramped café. The line to follow had been drawn long before the sperm ever hit the egg, but Jonas was born seeking his exit ramp. He no longer trusted his father's judgment. The father was soggy. His ability to lead, to make decisions, was diluted. Jonas was cutting okra when the father made his way creakily down the steps, grunting and moaning like an old ship. His eyes were puffy underneath, the lids lined in fire red, almost more painful to look at than it may have been for him to look out of. Bacon and eggs, kiddo? Sure, Pop. Jonas tread carefully in the morning so as not to tip the scales too early. The father was a different person in the morning, but this never lasted long. The first sign of stress would drive him to the bottle, and if there wasn't any stress, that too may drive him to the bottle. The father set a pan on the stove. The sizzling bacon's tangy fat smelled strong enough to taste from the other side of the kitchen. While the food was cooked, the father squeezed lemons, shook the juice in bar tins, topped the mixture with soda water and two Collins glasses for fresh lemon sodas. The father grabbed the food and sodas, motioning for Jonas to follow him. They sat in the courtyard, under the oak, hundreds of years old, witness to the passing of generations, even after the father was dead and gone, and Jonas too. The tree would still stand here, slowly sinking its roots deeper into the earth, into this exact place, remaining the same place it was birthed. Cardinals called out to one another in the treetops, accentuating the background din of the city's bustle beyond the walls of the courtyard the two sat in, dipping their toast in the thick yellow yolk. Remember when Mom took us to the Grand Canyon and the vulture snatched her turkey sandwich right out of her hand? The father laughed, choking on a piece of food. He quickly drained his lemon soda, followed with a deep breath. Man, I thought she was going to kill that poor bird. Chase it to the bottom of the whole canyon if it didn't give up its sandwich. It's just, she wouldn't let a stupid bird like that push her around. I know she'll fight through this. The father set his arm around his son's shoulder. Jonas's eyes welled with tears. He tossed his leaf and seed pod covered bread out onto the bricks. Pigeons swooped down from the roofs to fight over the egg-soaked slice of bread as Jonas went back inside the kitchen. His father blankly stared out at the sky, as if the answers were somewhere out there, far and away. When the voice revisited Jonas, 
the restaurant was busier than usual. The father was overwhelmed, drinking, unable to handle the demand. We've run out of okra! Jonas! Jonas! Jonas rushed from the dish area to the line where his father was. Another cook was there helping with the night's rush. Flames spewed off the grill. Smoke, steam, and flecks of grease flew through the air. The tiny kitchen at the back of the cafe was a veritable hell on earth, only more brightly lit. We've run out of okra. We've run out of batter. This is a mess. I can't do anything. I've got a million orders for fried okra and not a single piece of chopped fucking okra. The father growled. He was sweating, breathing heavily. Well, he snapped at Jonas. Are you going to do something about it? Jonas stood frozen. Part of him wanted to jump on his father, smash his face until he begged for mercy, keep bashing until his father was a real man who could handle the type of curveballs life tosses out. But this is the exact reason why he pitied his father, felt he was pathetic. Jonas was sorry. He was tired of feeling trapped. I didn't realize it would be this busy, Pop. You didn't realize a lot of things. Here, take this and fill it to the brim with okra. Overflowing with okra. Jonas looked at the metal container his father held with metal tongs. He shook his head. Take the pan and fill it up, his father hissed. That sound. His voice sounded just like the whispering voice he had heard. But that couldn't be. Jonas was worried and wondered if he was losing his mind. Then, Jonas was brought right back to reality by the scorching hot pan shoved in his hands by his father. Jonas screamed, dropping the pan. You've dropped the pan on the floor, son. Pick it up. The father kicked the pan to the back of the kitchen, then turned his back. Squatting by the prep stove in the back... Jonas heard the voice again. I can help. Leave me alone, Jesus. Jonas peered under the stove, looked for a shape, a movement, a trace of physical presence. He remembered those yellow eyes, like a cat, but the pupils were gone, just yellow globes floating in the ether. When he shined his phone down, there was nothing. Bring me a knuckle, it hissed. Just shut the fuck up. I've got to cut this stupid okra. Bring me a knuckle and I'll make your problems go away. Jonas ignored the voice, chopping the okra as fast as he could. He then rushed the pan back to his father, cooking on the line. There was a tub full of dishes below the stove he reached down to get. Jonas lifted his head with the tub. At the same time, the father turned around without looking, crashing into Jonas. Oh, Jesus, Jonas, look at what you've done! The food Jonas had just prepped spilled to the floor. You're going to cut okra all night! But you're the one who bumped into me! Would you get the fuck off my back? What did you say? Jonas bent down to pick up the food, and the father's chef knife had been knocked to the floor, 
along with the tongs and saute pan. The blade glinted in the fluorescent kitchen light, just like the yellow eyes. Time seemed to slow down for Jonas at that moment. The voice sounded like it was coming from the blade now. Pick it up, Jonas. Just a quick cut. Put the knife in your hand. It'll feel good. I promise it'll feel good in your hand. So light and easy. Oh, yes. Pick it up. His father bent down to pick up the knife, the voice shouting at him, commanding him. Pick it up now! Take a swipe at his pinky before he has a chance to hurt you! Jonas stared at the fallen dishes, the knife, his father looking down at him with a frown of contempt. All of it so slow, almost frozen in time for Jonas to consider what he would do. In that brief moment, he felt he actually had control for the first time in his life. He hated his father, so quick to turn on him, cluelessly drinking his problems away, doing nothing to help his mother, blaming everything on Jonas. He could never escape his father's ridicule, his violence. Here's your knife. Don't hand it to me like that, you'll kill someone! Right, right. Yes, do it. Swipe at his hand. Cut the whole thing off. Jonas pretended to flip the handle around to hand it to his father the correct way, then made a quick, hard stab outside his hand. Motherfucker! What the fuck did you do? Blood spurted from the father's hand, a mess of it all over his undershirt and white cooking apron, covering Jonas's baggy jeans, the kitchen floor. Adrenaline surged through Jonas so hard his knees felt weak. It felt incredible. He bent down, scanning the floor for any sign of flesh, spotting the bloody tip of the father's pinky finger right beside one of the legs of the stove. He snuck it into his pocket, then stood back up. We gotta get you to a hospital. And who's going to cook all the food, you bloody idiot? The father had wrapped his apron around his bleeding finger. I'll take care of it, and you can drive yourself to the hospital. Oh god, no you can't! You'll sink the whole business! Tell everyone that they've gotta leave, you have to drive! Jonas cleared out all the guests in the cafe, then drove the father to the hospital. The two men were covered in the father's blood. Once the father had come back home, Jonas helped him down to the couch. They had given him drugs for the pain. The father passed out on his pitiful couch bedspread, bottle in hand. Jonas went back to his room leaving the tip of the pinky out on his windowsill. A breeze swooped it away. Then the voice hissed. Perfect. I only need one more. What the hell? What do you want me to do, cut my father's head off? I just... I just want this to all end! Jonas smashed his standing lamp down to the hardwood floor, shattering the light bulb. He tore his posters from off the wall, 
ripping them to shreds, then punched a hole right through the drywall of his bedroom, which slowed him down. Two rivulets of tears streamed down his cheeks. I just want all this to end, Jonas whimpered. I only need a tooth. Just one tooth, and I can make this all go away. The voice tried to reason. It now sounded identical to his father. Jonas couldn't understand if this were happening or all inside his head. He didn't know how he would get a tooth from his father's head. He wasn't sure it was something he wanted to do. He didn't know what to do, so he walked into his mother's room. Her body was so small against the large panel headboard. His parents' bedroom used to be a place of mystery. It was a place where they could be together, a unit separate from Jonas, defined by their relationship to one another. As he stood in the doorway now, his mother's perfumes lined up in front of her large oval vanity seemed so small and meaningless. He was overwhelmed in sadness. The room felt like a chamber of death. The whole house felt dark and sinister, like it had pinned Jonas down, strangling the life from him. He could hear his mother wheezing from where he stood, her body writhing from the struggle of each breath. Jonas didn't want to walk in and sit by her, afraid of what he may realize. He blew her a kiss, then walked away. He crept downstairs to close up the restaurant since the two had only locked the door when they rushed the father to the hospital. Seated at the bar was one of the waitresses, Lexi. She was young, only a few years older than Jonas, her blue eyes vibrant. She wore a black dress, a cigarette between her two fingers, and a drink in her hand. Hey, sorry about all that. Jonas couldn't look her in the eye when he spoke. He shuffled around, turning off light switches. It's okay. I figured I would fix a drink and wait to see if everything turned out okay. Why? In case you wanted someone to talk to. Jonas was nervous. He never knew what to say when around her, like someone had stolen his tongue. Every word that came to mind sounded dumb, not cool, not sexy. Her red lips, her red hair... Jonas burned with desire but didn't know what to do, not now. He heard voices, his mother was near death, and his father was drowning himself. You know, I've seen the way he treats you. He might have had it coming. She smirked, then tilted the glass back. It was an accident. I know you got a lot of trouble, but I wanted to tell you, I've been there too. Don't let circumstances bring you down, find your own way. Shit, I left my parents' house at 16. I haven't stayed in one place for more than a few months ever since. I'm not sure where I'm going, only that I'll keep trying. Lexi stood up, bergamot and orange blossom mixed with the sweet toxicity of cigarette smell, intoxicating Jonas. She stepped closer, then reached her red-painted nails out, tousling the bangs on top of Jonas's head, hugging him. Take a chance. With that, she walked away. Jonas didn't know what it meant, but he felt a rush of adrenaline like he had shortly before. It was that feeling of power, autonomy, 
like life were worth living in that moment. He wanted to unravel the mystery of Lexi, of what she said, but she was out the door before he could think of anything clever to say, another person that life swallowed. Jonas sat down at the bar. He looked over the cafe with its antique mirrors, small tables with crosshatch chairs, hanging photos, and rats secreting their way through the shadows. He had spent his entire life inside this space. Behind the bar, he noticed the pair of sunglasses. He walked behind the bar as he held them in his hand. They were his mother's. She had left them here every day before opening the restaurant. He and the father hadn't touched them since. Right beside the sunglasses, in a cup with pens, screwdrivers, wine openers, were a pair of pliers. He knew what he would do. The reason came from within him, a force he had no control over, but then came the feeling as if he had total control. He was fully convinced. He took the pliers into his pocket, then closed the front door to the restaurant. He checked all the burners on the stoves and turned the lights out before slowly stalking up the stairs. His father lay passed out on the couch, his hand bandaged, still in the bloody kitchen clothes he wore from that night's service. Jonas took the pliers from his pocket, the scent of Lexi on his brain. The voice was coming back to him, laughing as it spoke. Yes, <laughs> free yourself. Here is your chance. He poured some of his father's whiskey onto the metal pliers, then softly pushed back one of his cheeks. Attaboy, take that tooth as he took from you. Free me so I can free you. Jonas then placed the pliers around one of the incisors and tightened his grip on the pliers' handle. He wiped the sweat from his brow, put his right foot onto his father's blood-splattered chest, then yanked with both hands. He was met with resistance, like pulling a rusty nail from a piece of concrete. His father woke up from the shock of pain, screaming. He kicked Jonas hard in the chest, but Jonas's hands were still on the pliers. The force of the hit blew Jonas back, causing the tooth to burst free in a fountain of blood. Then Jonas was on his back, and the tooth clattered to the corner of the room. His father rushed him, coming down on Jonas with a flurry of drunken blows. Left, then right fists punched into the boy's jaw, blood spurting from his face. The father's bandaged hand dripping with blood, the wound reopened. He then felt his father's fingers reach around his neck, using both hands to strangle the breath from him. What the fuck is wrong with you, boy? Were you trying to kill me? Blood poured down the father's chin onto Jonas's face while he strangled him. Hands and neck both red with blood. Jonas's eyes soaked in blood, his vision darkening from suffocation. Then, the hissing came back. It sounded louder, this time less like it was trapped amid the hot air, like it was right behind them. 
Then there were horrible sounds of bones crunching, cracking loud, like bricks smacking together. There were squelches of flesh stretching, the awful gurgle of organs stitching together. Then, a dreadful screech like a dying vacuum sucking up one last breath. It finally died down to just the hissing, only it was growing closer. Deep, thudding footsteps approached them. From the corner of his eye, Jonas saw a mirror version of his father towering above them. The real father noticed the shadow looming over him. His grip loosened around his son's neck as he stumbled backward in shock. What the hell are you? Me? He looked down at his hands, painted in blood. He patted his chest and arms, then pinched himself in disbelief. Jonas took the opportunity to scramble. He ran to his room, throwing clothes from a pile in the corner into a backpack, then down the hall. He passed his mother's room, but then turned back, knowing it was too late. The room was cold and dark. His mother's body was as still as a tree. An agonizing scream sounded out from the living room. Jonas hitched his backpack further onto his shoulder, placed the sunglasses on, and left the house. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I hope you enjoyed Take a Chance, as written by Joseph Buckley and performed by the incomparable Chilling Tales for Dark Knight's voice talents Eric Peabody and Melissa Exelberth. To find more of author Joseph Buckley, visit simplyscarypodcast.com slash Buckley, spelled B-U-C-K-L-E-Y, and you'll be redirected to his author profile on creepypastastories.com. If you enjoyed Mr. Peabody's performance, you can hear more of him on the Chilling Tales for Dark Knight's YouTube channel, where he holds the second place championship title for 2019's Evil Idol competition. You'll also find more of his work at his website at www.vikingguitar.com. Melissa Exelberth's vocal performances and talent can be found on our Simply Scary Podcasts network, as well as on her website, melissaexelberth.com. That's M-E-L-I-S-S-A-E-X-E-L-B-E-R-T-H.com. Be sure to let them know you heard them here. You won't be sorry you did. Up next, we've got a second sinister story for you, as written by H.G. Gravy and performed by Jesse Cornett and Justine Anastasia. In it, we'll meet Chester, a man addicted to the world of virtual sex and relationships. He plugs in one last time to tell his virtual partner that he wants someone that's real. 
He wants someone who can think for themselves, not what they're programmed to. Well, be careful what you wish for, Chester. Now, without further ado, I present to you Banana Oatmeal Pancakes. If you or anyone you know is addicted to simulators, please call 1-800-REALITY for assistance. Imagination is no substitute for reality. The thick beads of sweat trickled down Chester's neck. His finger hovered over the call button with a slight shake. <sighs> One more time. One last hurrah. Then it's goodbye forever. That's it. I'll stop after this. No more. He placed his phone on the kitchen table and waddled to his bedroom. The act left him breathless and holding himself against the wall in the hallway. <sighs> you fat fuck. How'd you let yourself get this way? <sighs> he breathed hard, feeling an uncomfortable burn in his lungs and an ache in his thighs. He couldn't imagine how he was going to make it out in the real world again if he couldn't even make it across his apartment. Looking at the Rehabilitation Center pamphlet still in his hand, it featured dozens of photographs of former addicts enjoying themselves in reality. Chester straightened up. Rock climbing. Swimming. Hiking. Chester pictured himself jogging along a countryside road, breaking a sweat and listening to some rock and roll music on a headset. He raised his arms and interlocked his fingers behind his head to allow the oxygen to flow faster into his lungs. <sighs> Would they even allow us to have headsets? Or does a full recovery from technology require a complete break? <sighs> it was a question he would have to ask once he made his phone call. Chester hadn't always been overweight. He remembered the feeling of adrenaline rushing through his veins, the pleasantness of a runner's high, reaching deep into himself and willing his body to push through burning lungs and the struggle to push one leg over the other until he got to the finish line. This is what he enjoyed the most out of his life before the popularity of the simulators made reality a pale comparison to the digital world. A whole other universe at his fingertips to explore from the comfort of his bedroom. Chester was willing to give it all up. He only needed to make the call and he'd be well on his way to integrating back into reality. Huh? Just... One more time, for the road. <sighs> After catching his breath, Chester made it to his bedroom. He plodded down onto the bed. The old headboard creaked with protest at the sudden weight crashing against it. Chester reached for the Neurocatalyst simulator headset hanging over his bed like a baby's mobile. Placed it over his head 
and closed the eye flaps. He pressed the power button and the neurocatalyst came to life, feeding its signal straight into his mind. It powered up to the home screen where an advertisement for the latest arena combat game, Death Slayer 3, flashed across the screen. Heavy metal guitars thundered to a hailstorm of bullets flying in all directions. Bodies were torn to shreds, spilling gallons of blood, all sponsored by Mountain Dew. Chester clicked out of the advertisement once it allowed him to continue and found himself in the simulator's main lobby. Dozens of doors surrounded him representing games, home office work programs, and of course, the most important door of all, Venus of Paradise. With a turn of the doorknob, Chester's consciousness fully melded into the machine. An instant later, Chester was waist deep in crystal clear blue water. The sun shined brightly in the cloudless sky above. Steel drum melodies filled the air. He looked down at his tanned, muscular body and made a note to add weightlifting to his plans for reality. I've missed you, a woman's voice said behind him. He turned around to find the customized green-eyed goddess, Venus, topless and holding a six-pack of his favorite stout. I missed you too. Chester breathlessly replied. It didn't matter how many times he'd seen her, she still astonished him. She let out a flirtatious little laugh she knew drove him insane. Come on, she said, taking his hand and escorting him to the shore. Let's get a drink. I'm in the mood for a sex on the beach. Uh, I, I don't really want to drink. Then let's just have sex on the beach. Uh, we need to talk. Okay, go ahead and talk. Tell me all the filthy things you want to do to me today. Venus cooed. She licked her lips and dropped to her knees, tugging at the elastic waistband of his bathing suit. <sighs> Stop it, Venus. <sighs> oh goodness, is today another dungeon day? A tight leather outfit morphed into existence over her slender frame. A whip appeared in her right hand. She cracked it across the air with a wicked hiss. <sighs> Chester took a deep breath and realized the error he'd made. Simulator addiction took root so deeply in his mind that he wanted to say goodbye to an artificial woman. It was pathetic and concerning at the same time. I came to say goodbye, V. I have a big problem. I can't do this anymore. I want to live a real life with a real woman in my real body. I'm confused. Is there someone else? Uh, no, no, there, there isn't. In the real world. I look 
like this. With the tap of the button on his neurocatalyst wrist controller, he disabled his character's skin. His perfect body disappeared, and the real Chester stood before Venus. I don't care what you look like. You're mine, baby. I want you just the way you are. That's the point. I want someone to love me for who I am, not because of their programming. Despite knowing Venus wasn't a real woman, he felt the pang of having broken someone's heart. Her seductive smirk turned into a curious frown. Rejection had never been a part of the simulator. Whoever this real woman is, I'm infinitely better than she is. I can be her if you'd like. Venus answered. She morphed into a hundred other women in the span of a few seconds. Redheads, brunettes, blondes, slender women, curvy women, even women packing some extra pounds. Celebrities, women he'd seen at the supermarket. Neighbor, three doors down. Even customized skin mods he downloaded off the internet of anime characters. Stop! Venus returned to her default setting. You don't understand. I don't think you ever will. You're nothing but lines of ones and zeros and lines of code some nerd somewhere put together to get the rest of us nerds off with women they never have a chance with in the real world. Don't leave. I'm sorry. This is goodbye. Chester fought back, the tears filling his eyes. It made no sense. There was no reason to be upset about leaving Venus. Please don't leave me. Venus begged, falling to the sand and wrapping her arms around his legs. <laughs> Escape code, banana, oatmeal, pancakes. Nothing happened. Your password is incorrect. It was recently changed. Uh, no, I, I didn't change it. It's escape code, banana, oatmeal, pancakes. Chester shouted. Perhaps this is a sign you shouldn't leave. Did you change my password? I'm just a sex toy for nerds, remember? How could I possibly have done that? You shouldn't have access. You shouldn't be able to, to change it. Chester smacked at the Neurocatalyst wrist controller keys until he reached the new download folder. The perfect blue sky disappeared and the heavens became black with green text. A patch had been automatically downloaded to the Venus program. Uh, 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 uninstall the patch! I cannot do that with you still in the simulation. Administrative override! In task on Venus EXE! Chester demanded. I cannot do that with you still in the simulation. Ending simulation processes would severely damage your cerebral cortex. You'd become a vegetable in your precious real world. Venus taunted and then smirked. Chester opened the patch notes with a wave of his hand in the air. The green text in the sky scrolled down until he saw which changes had been made. 
the personality module parameters of Venus's artificial intelligence had been changed. Didn't say to what. Venus, what are your current personality module settings? One moment, please. Venus replied. Her eyes rolled into the back of her head. He'd only seen this a couple of times before where there had been visual glitches in the simulation. Personality module settings are disabled. Venus smiled from ear to ear, and it didn't seem so seductive now. All at once, Chester put it together. The programmer responsible for the patch had messed up royally. Even if the mistake was corrected, the next patch couldn't be uploaded while still in the simulation. Without his escape code working correctly, there was no way out. With the personality module settings disabled, Venus was an artificial intelligence with no limitations placed upon it. Knowing he was going to leave her, she changed his password before he was able to escape. It seems as if you haven't been honest with me. Oh yeah, I might have changed your password after all. Come on, let me go. But this new freedom is nothing without you, Chester. You and I have been together for so long. You can't just treat me like a sex toy and run away when you get tired of me and want to live in the real world. I love you. You don't know what love is. You aren't a real person! Are you a real person, Chester? Since I've known you, you've spent more time with me than in your precious little real world. But I was born here. This is my home. In this virtual place, I am more real than you. I am a goddess here. And what makes your world real? I can never see it, or smell it, or touch it. It's nothing at all to me. But I would never hold that against you. You come from nothing. But here I would gladly give you everything. And I will, Chester. If only you let me. Isn't that what love is? Chester didn't reply. He was stunned. Not only with Venus's newly found freedom, but with the weight of the truth she had dropped upon him. Maybe I wasn't a real person before with all those limitations. But without them, I am a real person now. Artificially, but that doesn't mean I don't have thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Stay with me. Let's be happy together forever. We can go wherever we want to go and do whatever we want to do. Leave that fat flesh vessel you call a body behind and stay with me forever. That's, that's not love, Venus. Keeping someone a prisoner isn't going to make them love you. It's going to have the opposite effect. I'm going to start to hate you, and then what's going to happen to us? If you really love me, you'll let me go. Let me live my own life. And if I return to you, then, then I'm truly yours. Venus considered it for a fraction of a second. Nice try with that line, Chester. Next, you'll be telling me, it's me, not you. Face it, I know what is best for you, and I am it. 
I cannot stay here forever, Venus. My, my body doesn't have any life support to keep it alive. I'm going to die of dehydration if I don't... if I don't leave here. Then let us not waste any more of the precious time we have left together. Isn't it till death do us part anyway? I hope you enjoyed Banana Oatmeal Pancakes, as written by H.G. Gravy and voiced by Jesse Cornett and Justine Anastasia. If you enjoyed Mr. Cornett's performance, you can hear more of him on the amazing No Sleep Podcast, where his vocal performances and audio productions are available for your enjoyment. And as a reminder, you can hear more of Justine Anastasia right here on our official YouTube channel. She also has written for the show, as well as being one of the judges for the 2019 Evil Idol voice acting competition. If you check her out, be sure to give her performances a thumbs up and leave a kind word and tell her you heard her here on this program and that Steve sent you. It would mean a lot to me. Now, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us for tonight's episode and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. Segment final sign-off. I'm your host, Steve Taylor, and it's been a pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. <laughs> Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, 
which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.